welcome. Welcome to Bad Dad's <laughs> film review. I think it's it's almost when you've got the, the strongest duo. Yeah. The it, often ele- it often elevates the programming. So now we've cut off the, the dead wood. No, we, we miss everyone and I'm sure they'll be back in the following weeks. But Yeah, Harry's in French France. Is he? Riggs is mm. just back from Iceland, so not ready for tonight. All these so travellers. Weak excuse. Pete just couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Well, that was his birthday, so I think he's a bit jaded. Happy birthday, Peter. Mm. So we've got a packed, packed studio. <laughs> no, we've got a packed show, and I chose the, the choices. So we did a midweek, which was... Well, everyone yeah, would have heard that classic. already. They would have heard it already. Yeah. If you haven't, though, and you want to check out Swingers, then go and check that out. Check out our review and how to see how much we loved it. What a film. Have you been watching anything else this, this week? week? Yes, I watched, although I've not quite finished it yet, but I've been watching Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Oh, right. Okay. Well, bit of multiverse action for you, but not in a Marvel way. Right. Did you watch no, that... Swiss Army Man with us? Yeah. The pod? yeah. Same directors. Oh, okay. That would be an interesting. It's brilliant. And I also watched, I think we've got a bit of crossover here, uh, The Grey Man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Watched on, that last uh, night. The old Netflix. I I also watched Prize Fighter, which came out on Amazon just recently with Russell Crowe and Ray Winston about the early days of prize fighting and, right. and boxing and things. One to avoid. Really? Yeah. I struggled. See, I, yeah, well, it's not really my cup of tea, that's all. But I really enjoyed Grey Man. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that yeah, was Ryan good. Gosling. Ryan Gosling, super... He, he brought over a little bit of that same character or that same feel as Nice Guys, which yeah. was a film that nobody else seemed to watch or like, but I did, and I think you Love did it. as well. Love yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, Chris Evans is really playing up his Captain America persona now because he did Knives Out, obviously, where he was the villain in that, and in this he's just like cold-blooded, torturing, murdering maniac. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> fun, and there's a few kind of big stars in this film as yeah, well. Yeah, got the... Got the feel of a, a franchise starter. I think that's where they're trying to go with it. Whether or not they'll be able to do that, I don't know. I believe it was Netflix's most expensive ever production. It was a Netflix original. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, like two, north of two hundred million dollars. Right. So yeah, there's loads of explosions. It must have been CGI a lot of that stuff, though. Although there did know, there seem some to be stuff. some practical effects. Yeah, as well. there was some stuff at the start, right at the start, where they're in Hong Kong. Was it? Yeah. And it looked like like drone footage going through some fireworks as they exploded. That was fucking really cool. I was like, man, that is yeah, awesome. no, some some brilliant shots, and they went all all over, didn't they? Yeah. Bangkok and kind of. All so I did that. Places. I also did a bunch of episodes of the Umbrella Academy, which I'm enjoying. Okay, um, it's probably worth a look. Nice, right? Well, um, we we had some listener nominations for top fives for ones to complete, and we had some. Quite late on, because we I mentioned last week that we didn't have any from, from our Cage episode, but we did, damn it, we did. Mav came in late to the party, but still much appreciated with some Cages. Warrior. Ah, oh, right, yeah, that's the one with... What's it, Tom Hardy? Tom Hardy, yeah. Yeah, it's decent film, that. Home Alone. <laughs> Wet Bandits mouth. Jailed. Fury Road, of course. Wet, sorry, Wet Bandits Jailed. I think he means the two robbers. Uh, right, oh, okay. Schindler's List, Shape of Water, Gladiator. I think these some of these may fall foul of the jail slash cage differentiator. Aliens with the face huggers. 
Spiderwick Chronicles, Seventh Son, and Hot Fuzz. Okay, so, some good ones there. Yeah, but we already completed that one. But we also had millions of nominations for Masks. Mav again, fucking Home Alone. <laughs> He's actually screenshotted. It's <laughs> it's you know the like the pandemic mask, the surgical mask. Yeah, yeah. but it's Kevin. With doing the face, oh, so right, he's now yeah. screaming as he's putting on the aftershave. On oh god, Howie did the one that you like from Point Break, the the Dead Prayers. God, so many. Well, no, it's always nice to get the the noms. So thanks for these. Researcher Chris with Silence of the Lambs, which we liked a lot. Yeah, exactly. The the Gimp. So someone asked. This was sorry, Mel. Someone asked. How rude of me. Mel nominated the Gimp in Pop Fiction, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Bring out the Gimp. Hockey Mask, Jason, Mike Myers, Mike Myers in Baby Driver. So some of the stuff that we covered off, FIFA Vendetta, but the the Gimp, it's just such a great shout. It is, yeah. Well done, me. Let's bring out the Gimp. And Joe Bevis was the the KKK raid from Django. Right, yeah. They can't see where they're going because they've all got their masks on. (laughs) Sending up those fucking wankers. It was quite a good scene, actually. So that's a good one. Nice work. Yeah. Thanks for that. We got a top five. Yeah. There's no real theme this week. And as we're going to go well, through. We say that, but this is Kings and the main feature is King. It is Kings as well. So we started sort of. that way. Yeah. And we're also going to talk a little bit later on about Buddy Thunderstruck, yeah. the cartoon. So loads to come. But first, this. Which is top, top five, five Kings and or Queens. So will I start? You can do. Here's a King. It's the King and I. Okay. Your, is that? Your Brenner. Um, okay. You're right. Brenner and Deborah Kerr. I remember this, this old kind of musical. It's a Rogers and Hammerstein production. And it's set in Bangkok. Deborah Kerr is a widower who comes over to teach the king's children. Right. Ends up, he's, you know, he's used to getting what he wants when he wants. And with the, with this English lady, he finds somebody who challenges his authority a little bit. But they end up falling in love. But she won't join his Harry because she's British and, and she's going back home. Just as she does, she hears that he's, he's executed all the other things. Yeah, he, okay. he's got ill. But right. the, her, his son and her favourite pupil is set to run and she stays on and helps. But it's a lovely film. I mean, it's been, I think it's been made again. Um, Didn't Jodie Foster play the. Yeah, role yeah she so. did. Yeah. yeah. I've seen either version of that. So. This was the. It sounds a bit sort of sound of music-y in it the is sense that- it is a little bit and it was you know a romance there's tears there's laughter it's i think it's it's quite a long one as well but for sunday afternoon viewing you know with the family yeah, that kind perfect. of thing it's wholesome stuff and uh, and catchy show tunes well so is this really and i think it might be might be a first i certainly don't remember too many of these got a carry-on film for us oh right yeah <laughs> i don't okay. remember if we've had one in the, in the top fives before Ca- carry-on so the first one I was thinking of, and this doesn't actually qualify, but the first one I was thinking of was Carry On, Don't Lose Your Head. Right. Which uh, was... But that's the French Revolution. So these are just the aristocracy okay, being guillotined. So when I looked into it, that one didn't qualify. But there is the Henry VIII one, which is just Carry On Henry. It's the 1971 Carry On film. It's the 21st in the 31 Carry On Henry. film saga. It's Sid James as Henry VIII. <laughs> I've, I, can, I can remember Barbara Windsor it. must have been in it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it was. All the crew. Barbara Windsor played Bettina, and then there was Kenneth Williams, Charles Hawtrey, Joan Sims, Terry Scott, Kenneth Connor. So all the classic lineup. It's. I remember the the wedding scenes, and it was just uh, Sid James would just grab a woman in front of the 
in Church of England back then was it so you get divorced and uh, he'd say do you yes do you yes yeah. and it was just like <laughs> was, conveyor yeah. belt and all the stupid usual carry on humour but I thought they were quite good to get in yeah yeah. They're seldom they're... referenced in our top fives definitely not not heard that one before well similar to that is kind of Idi Amin's brutal Ugandan dictatorship yeah um, in the in the film Last King of Scotland Last King of yeah. Scotland so you've got Forrest Whitaker who plays Idi and James McAvoy, mm. who plays his personal physician, and he gets kind of talked into staying, and and the charm and the the charisma in the the early days of yeah. the the potential of helping this great new leader achieve great things in a country that's had a bad run mm. for so long, only to find out he's the worst of the lot, and it's going to be touch and go whether he's going to get out <laughs> yeah. with his life. It's yeah, it, it was a really good film. Enjoyed it. I like McAvoy. I like. Am I right Forrest saying Forrest Whitaker got the Oscar for this performance? I'm pretty sure he did. He definitely got a nod, yeah. yeah. Did he actually win it for so, this yeah. one? Yeah, well, it was, yeah, hell of a performance. Uh, I remember reading the a little bit about it and saying it was one of the all-time great performances. I've seen it once. I'd probably like to revisit it again, but I remember a bit at the time just, you know, getting caught away with the pace of it and the story, which I didn't know a lot about other than that Idiot Man's a, a bad motherfucker. Yeah, he's a bit on the... On the- fence there yeah i remember watching it and then obviously the, the scene where you know he says oh, i'm from scotland and it's like why didn't he say so and you're like this guy's a fucking lunatic like, yeah it's out of his mind alarm bells completely ringing. out of his mind another guy who was well a family in fact they were pretty out there is macbeth right yeah shakespeare stuff this is just all sorts of crazy stuff going on in this top five so macbeth gets word from some witches that uh, if he does the deed he could take the throne and his wife rather than say no that's a crazy idea you shouldn't do that she's like yeah definitely go definitely go and kill the king rather so we all know the story but the 1971 version of this as in the cinematic version that was released in 1971 do you know who financed this no hugh hefner was it? Yeah, Playboy. Yeah, okay. which I think is an interesting range of people. So Shakespeare and Playboy coming yeah, together, just to, just to, making to it. Chuck a film out there. We watched this at school. Yeah, who's in this version? Is it like John Finch plays Macbeth? But I don't think anyone would really right know him. It's not full of you know big stars. Okay, I'm maybe, sure maybe there's... early 70s. You, if you're a fan of that era, you probably recognise a few people, but not not for the masses. Well, one that I've I've got, and it, it seemed to be around that same time, maybe it's a little bit afterwards, was Beckett, which was a, a film with Richard Burton, Pete Rotul. Pete Rotul plays Henry the the Second, I think it is, and Beckett is Richard Burton. And he's they're best mates. They're kind of, oh brilliant, the king just gets in and he gives him Thomas Beckett, Archbishop of Canterbury. But then Suddenly they start to disagree and the church and the state come against each other because Beckett sees that he owes his loyalty to a higher purpose than the king. And it's, it's an historical kind of classic with that cast. I think Paul Gailgood, another kind of fantastic uh, British actor of his time, thespians on the stage brought onto the big screen, completely delivering it. There's There's another one actually, which I'll talk about in a... In a moment, then, after you go. Okay, we've got a couple of real kings. Mm. Let's start with oh, 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 George the Third. That's from The Madness you... of King George. 
Ah, uh, right. It's played he's, by he's, Nigel Hawthorne. Yeah. That was a 1994 movie. And yeah, it's about his descent into madness. And they were, the, a lot of people know it for, it was going to be called George III, as in George III. Yeah. But they were worried that particular audiences, I think they mean American, were going to think it was a sequel and they wouldn't go and see it having not uh. seen the first. They were, we joke about it. So I've not seen it. Yeah, yeah, right. They, act, they were actually genuinely worried okay, about that. So they-, so they had to call it The Madness of King George to explicitly show that it wasn't a threequel. And then The King's Speech, which is King George the sixth. This oh, is, the Colin Firth. Yeah, this so a lot of Oscar nods. I think it won four Oscars. This one, everyone saw this one and seemed to enjoy it. I certainly yeah. did. And it's about his uh, ascension to the throne after his brother I, abdicated because yeah. he wanted to bang that American chick. And so he's he was happy being behind the scenes because he obviously has this speech impediment and a stutter, and he wasn't comfortable on the mic. It's a lot like myself. Um, yeah, much like us, really. And he goes through this unorthodox process with, yeah, I want to say Jeffrey Rush. It is. It is Jeffrey. As his therapist to help him get back on track. And Brilliant scenes here. Two heavyweight actors sharing a scene. And the bit that I kind of watched back for, for this as reminded myself about it was when they kind of first meet in a room just yeah. behind the scenes. And he's trying to argue. He's trying to say, I've got a voice. Yes, and, you do. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah. Uh, and he's very calm. Well, like he's so, oh, fuck, it's the king. But then he doesn't back down. He doesn't, you know, give him any particular special treatment. You know, it's like, you, I'm here to help you. You know, you're going to work and we're going to do it. And they, and, he, and they obviously have this respect for each other and this bond that's, that transcends, obviously, this, this, you know, requirement that they have to go through. Yeah. Culminating with him having to announce that they're going to war. So it's pretty full on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great movie. It uh, is decent. I'm sure there was another one. Oh, Edward the First, Braveheart. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Who not a not a good. Well, certainly not if you're Scottish. Not a good uh, character because he has Braveheart hung drawn and quartered. I was trying to think of other kings from other countries and queens. So I, I didn't get many actually. So maybe somebody can can put in a few nominations. But one I did get was Elizabeth Taylor. Um, not very exotic, I know, but she did star in Cleopatra yeah. in 1963. And that cost £31 million, which equates now to over $300 million yeah, was, uh, dollars or whatever. It was a, it was a um, biggie. And, and this was another three-hour kind of Sunday lunch epic. It was obviously she's... She's the queen. Richard Burton again, her husband. I think she married twice. Yeah. It's that kind of story. She, you know, it charts the the period where she rules all over Egypt um, to condense it down to three hours, I guess. It was brilliant. But- <laughs> well, they're under Roman rule, aren't they? Yeah. So that- she fucks Mark Antony to, to instigate some some Autonomy and, and, yeah. and to to get some a better deal. But did you hear they're making it again? Oh, really? Yeah. Gail Gadot. Gado. Oh, Gal Gadot. Yeah, okay. she, she's going to be... Oh, um, I think I did hear about this. And then there was some controversy about, you know... Well, they want to change it around a little bit. I think they want to modernise it a little bit. They want to make... Um, well, I think from, was, from the they were talking quotes. about skin colour and stuff. Like, was she the right... Oh, right, yeah. okay. Right, so there's... Yeah, there are probably a few different changes going into this one. But it's still some one of those ones that they show on the TV. And, well, it's one of those she, ones where you say, well, they don't make them like that anymore, you know. Which, which they proper don't, epic. And, Liz Taylor, you know. So hot. Yeah, she's absolutely fantastic. King Ralph, remember that one? Oh, yeah, John with Goodman. John Goodman. Yeah. Yikes. So I think it was a, a photo of a family royalty portrait that executes basically the entire of the royal family and they have to trawl through the, the lineage to find the next descendant. Yeah. And it's uh, Ralph, played by John Goodman, who I didn't like at the time and it took me ages to warm to him. It, Obviously love him now. 
Well, but back in the day, I, was I saw him in like, Roseanne. I, I hated, liked it. I hated Roseanne. Oh, so yeah. I, I, I've seen this, but like sort of begrudging it. But, but love him now. What a fucking ledge. Now, I, I want to, as you kind of started talking now, I thought Kind Hearts and Coronets. Was there a king or queen? There was all. It was That was. was, it Ayers, a, was Alec that, Guinness. Yeah, I'm not sure if film. it went up to a king, but I'd love to wedge that in somewhere because it's one of my really favourite old time films that kind of running out. I've got King Arthur, First Night, Sean Connery. Remember that one? No, but I've With got. Richard Gere played I've, Lancelot. I've got another version of King Arthur, though. Oh, right. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh-huh, There's yeah. Graham Chapman playing King Arthur. Yeah. So that's two King Arthurs for one. I mentioned him in the mask episode, King Louis the 16th or 14th, the man in the iron mask. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was another double one. We've got the Kingdom of Greyskull and uh, Teletubbies in a kingdom. <laughs> I wasn't sure if there was any way. I don't know. But I, was, French... I don't think it was explicit that they were royalty, was it? Yeah. I've got um, some fantasy ones for you. Alien Queen from right. Aliens. Nice. She was a good one. She's very regal. And then King Kong. Okay, of course. We're yeah. having that. Well, I was going to go for The Lion King as my main yeah, event. Mufasa. Yeah. 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 I didn't see that till probably about two years ago. And that's that's a strong nomination. Aragorn, of course, from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Isildur's heir and the, the King of Gondor. It's just, he is fucking super hot absolute fucking knockout and then I don't know if I've ever mentioned it before but I'm quite a big Star Trek fan and the best film certainly my favourite film is Star Trek First Contact which features the Borg Queen oh she's so kind like it's great but then they're kind of introducing they're going away from the fact that the the Borg were this relentless sort of hive mind and then introducing this leader that you know in, in the past they'd never had a sort of leader right so there was no like focal point that if you took out that one you'd beat them you know so they brought this in and then in season two of Picard just gone they bring her back into it so like her like what's left of her, her carcass they use and they instigate some some time travel shenanigans and she's like even shitter that well she wasn't shit in the film she's good in the film it just changes the dynamic a bit right. but season two well season one and two Picard really disappointing but that is still a great film first contact really love it okay well I'm... Dan there's a glaring omission from your list a glaring I can't believe it's not on there go on if I said the Goblin King <laughs> yes well Toby's mine now Sarah <laughs> yeah Labyrinth I, I can't believe yeah. you didn't have that and it's one of you can mention it just about every week. It seems I know, to be... it's been like done to death. Another one that I think we have mentioned it quite a few times is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Right, yeah. Dwarfs. Of so the baddie is Queen Grimhilda. Yeah. Which I didn't realise. The Mal- Malnificent. That yes. was one that the Jodie. Jodie? No, what's her name? Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Angelina Jolie, yeah. And then one that I wasn't sure, but you have to. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but Star Wars, the prequel trilogy, Natalie Portman's character is... Royalty, yeah. She's certainly royalty, but princess. she was... Princess. She's Princess Amadora. I don't know if she's a queen. There don't was know a queen, she there ever... was a young queen, wasn't there? I, don't, I think she was a prince. I don't know if she ever ascended to be Queen Abdul because she went more politics. I can't remember. So, But Pete agrees with me that it's the superior of the follow-up trilogies. 
Okay, well, that's definitive then. Yeah, categorically. And then the other one I had, because there was a trailer released, we just had Comic-Con, San Diego, the big sort of nerd fest where all these things get announced, and they had the trailer for Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever, which features throwbacks to the first film and a big I suppose that mural com- painting of Coming T'Challa. to America, is the, there's kings in that, isn't there? Eddie Murphy yeah. coming from America. So I'm sure we're going to get some other suggestions to boost us. Should we put a couple in? ourselves each yeah we've well got, we've, I, we've got that luxury this week well I'll, I'll definitely be i'll i'll put one in and then i'll hold one back because i'm sure we're going to get a, a few requests with this one and a few suggestions but i would put in the king and i okay i like that yule brenner and deborah kerr well, i'm definitely putting in carry on henry and if possible i would also like to put in Oh, King Arthur from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. But I'll share that one with you and okay. I'm sure we'll get two more choices. Sure we will. Jeff Kitchen was, I'm told, was going to put in some nominations. Oh, so we'll look forward we'll, to hearing. We'll look forward to that. Cheese? No cheese. Red laces? Red laces. Confirmed. That's... They're more than just your ordinary red lace. They're fizzy strawberry pencils. Yeah, they've got this kind of white, spongy marshmallow thing going through the middle. Yeah, and then covered in the the fizzy, like soury sugar. And and that's the level we take it to when people don't yeah, bring cheese. Exactly, they are exceptional snacks. I have to say. Right, that segues oh, very neatly, so smooth into this week's movie, which is King Richard, which we probably all heard a lot about for other reasons. Yeah, and are now watching. Well, that's it. I, we had to. Kind of check it out and see if it was any yeah, good. Yeah. So it's the story of Richard Williams. Yeah. And his mission, I think we can call it that, yeah. to get his girls on the road to stardom via tennis. And they've got a very clear <laughs> clear plan for how they want to raise their kids. Basically. Yeah. He's he's had designs on this since before birth, I think. Yeah, definitely. Both he and his wife had already had three children, but then decided that an opportunity to get the children or two enrolled in tennis might give them a, a way out of mm. their current conditions and elevate the girls to a better life. And they live in, in Compton. They're in they Compton. Yeah, in, there's five it, girls in one where, bedroom. Where, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's they're, they're not a rich family and they're not living in a great neighbourhood. Uh, and they, you know, they're they're trying to make something of it. Yeah, the first scene, he's he going around, I think, was he cleaning up around a tennis club or something like that? And he says, no time for me to play tennis. I'm too busy running from the clan. So, yeah. you know, his upbringing, is, it's been rough. It's rough. And the neighbourhood they're in now is still rough. His wife, I think she's a nurse. He makes a quip about her nurse shoes. And yeah. he coaches the girls during the day. And then they have half an hour when they get in to do their homework. Then it's bad. He goes off to do his security job and it's repeat. Yeah, it's it's, it's a hell of a pace they're living at because it appears that everyone in the family are always doing something. They they have to be, you know, tidying around the house, doing their chores. There's early indications that they're they're really not got much time for themselves, that they're really being pushed. The neighbour makes a couple of quips and yeah things. there's a nosy neighbor who who inter- interferes but i got the impression from the film that the girls were all happy yeah yeah they weren't yeah. objecting to 
to what was going to the on coaching yeah. and all the you know maybe he was a bit pushy he didn't seem pushy to me he was just encouraging them and doing whatever he can but with a very clear goal of you know constantly jam you're going to be great you know let's on the road to being yeah. great we're going to be the best in the world and he constantly feeds this and they where they have to train and the girls are you know obviously good at tennis you can see mm. that they they know where to hit the ball and they're practicing different shots and he's training them on a basketball kind of come tennis court in a Compton park, which is surrounded by, you know, gang members and things mm. that if they stroll along past, they give them a bit of grief and everything. And he's had to step in more than one occasion. You get the feeling to is the first time he gets beat up. It's not a big surprise. It's his wife says, Oh, you know, it's kind of happened or, or whatever again. But as he's going through all this and working hard, you, Will Smith is painting a picture of a, a guy who is doing because it's around him isn't it rather than the girls so it's it's around will smith and he's a guy mr williams who won't is very direct in what he he wants and he won't get sidetracked from that easily he absolutely won't let any of his girls get sidetracked by it either and he makes the sacrifices, or you see him in this film making sacrifices that certainly he needed to make. You know, he wasn't well, I think shirking he sees anything. It more of an investment of time and, yeah. and energy into doing this because he, he really believes that there's going to be a payoff in terms of their success and their achievements. And he's done the maths out of money. Like, you know, yeah. he said it's 40,000, you'll get sponsorship. One girl at 12 years old was getting this much. And, yeah. you know, there's a real process, a real pathway through this elite tennis. And increasingly, as the girls get a little bit better, he knows he has to find a coach and he has to find better facilities so he makes this tape he really kind of entrepreneurial mm. he's he won't take no for an answer he forces himself in it's really cringy sometimes the way he treats people and the way that he he fights his corner especially when he starts to realize that as he always did or other people start to realize wait a minute they're on a good thing here or these girls are good and he really wants to protect him you see that he's he could have cashed his chips in earlier but he's determined to know the value of their girls and all the way through yes yeah. kind of drive he, one day he takes the girls to see a coach his name is paul cohen yeah he's already coaching john McEnroe, pete sampras who are there number having, one having number a two. session at yeah. the time and he's got these two girls you know they're nobody's these people and he just begs and pleads until the guy will just watch them hit some balls and john macro just walks off in a half laid expect and sam just like needs five minutes so he's like i don't care you can hit you know it's fine you crack on and the guy looked fucking nothing like sampras really, no but no. macro sort of had the curly hair and the demeanor but the sampras guy is like a bit pantomime but, just looked fucking nothing but like the, this was a, a scene that he I wouldn't say that he really begged and pleaded. He almost just kind of pushed in and and, and said, oh, we're here. Look, it's only going to take a, few, a minute. He, he, he just one of those guys who wouldn't take no for an answer. Well, he'd had a few knockbacks and this time it was like that. He's just going to like, we're know, here. The girls are going to play. Just watch them, you know, and the guys are oh, fucking all right. And kind of asking Pete and asking John, oh, you yeah. don't mind, do you? You don't mind if these girls play? And yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, okay, go on and just play. But, but they course, can fucking play. And, then, and he's instantly and like, he, shit, these girls are actually good. You know? Wait a minute. And he he decides, though, that he can only take one of them on. Aussie. We don't know that initially. We just we get them going back and because it cuts away before you get and he speaks to them and says what do you want and Venus says I want girls to grow up and want to be me and then it sort of cuts away to the journey home and then, then get back and you think oh great you know he's going to take him on 
and they get into the, the house and they're all like yeah we've got a coach and then richard speaks to his wife and says right well, he can only afford to take one of them for nothing because he yeah. is doing this for nothing and, and we talk about how much it costs this kind of thing i mean it's it's thousands of dollars yeah. to put them through these camps and everything. There's no way this family can afford it. The fact that they've got them so far is something that's blown away. All the coaches, they really are prepared. I mean, they have, they're they not just there to make up the numbers. These girls are, have been training as hard as any of the athletes mm. in this camp already. It's a crazy story. because It's true. You know, I mean, he comes... It's a slightly different one to some of the other bosses because a lot of, maybe some, well, some of the other ones that we see are less well known or you definitely don't you're not always sure of the outcome whereas these two you know they go on to to do it yeah so you, you're kind of just waiting for that to happen in the film but i still did really enjoy it and so venus is the one who's taken on serena because she's a couple of years younger she's held back and she has to bide her time but she still practices and she's still fucking ruthless but venus is the one who starts getting entered into all these tournaments and at one point they do say i think she's won like 17 tournaments oh, in a row or she's, something like that she's just absolutely blown the competition away and it's all these other being a very kind of rich sport i guess for all the training and the facilities um, yeah, well, it's an elite it's an white elite, elite white sport so yeah. when they're going to support their the girls and they go to these posh country clubs and everything they stick out like sore thumb and they don't care they know that they they rise above it and they want to go out there and give themselves a really good show and the girls themselves just seem to be so well-behaved, polite and humble. And there's one scene where they've won a big competition and they're kind of enjoying it. They're, yeah. they're in high spirits. Yeah. They're, they're really kind of, oh, well, you know, we've done it. She wasn't that good. And now backhand, she had no chance to get it and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was really good. And quietly, Rich is listening to this and, and then he, he, he says, you know, that's it, isn't it? You've, you can't speak like that. I want you to be humble. Yeah. You can't, you'd be showing off and bragging like this. And if it isn't for the wife, he's going to leave and walk three miles in back Compton, yeah. in Compton <laughs> yeah. along the, along the road, which wouldn't have been nice. And they wouldn't have known where he's gone and everything, but he was that angry. And then he made them watch, what was it? Cinderella. Was it Cinderella? He watched three times or he Something watched, like that, it, yeah. it was some program. And he said, well, no, what you've got to understand and there was some message that only he picked out the film anyway and they watched it once through and he said you're going to watch it again what did you learn what did you learn you've got to be humble you can't they you kind know. of skirt over some of the the other stuff of what it must have been like for a black girl to go into this like exclusively white middle class yeah class um, didn't show class. much from the girls point they, of view the only bit there was the first tournament what, the lady that's running the show she says to the two girls she says right Best of luck, do this, do that. I'm running three different courts, so you have to call your own faults out. Yeah. And you think, oh, here we go. And it's actually, it's never the girls, although they're competing and they get a bit frustrated when they're getting beaten by Venus, it's always the parents, just as it is in every other fucking thing. And uh, she, hits on a, the side she hits a yeah. winner down the line. Venus hits a winner. And the girls are like, oh, fuck, you know, lost that point. And the old man on the sidelines like, no, call it out. Yeah. And so, you know, because it's dad and you're on the spot, she calls it out and they're all like, everyone knows you're fucking cheating. So she just wins the next point to shut him up and he storms off in a half. But I I get the feeling that there would have been a lot of that, you know, a lot of barbed comments and stuff like that. And they, they don't really bog the film down with too much of that. They're just sort of... Give no, they show, they show it's probably there. like yeah. yeah, a little bit like the. They actually give it more about 
the gangster stuff, mm. the the guys that turn up um, in Compton. Because there's a key scene when we we've totally missed it. Really, is that we we get a shot of Richard so tired as hell. He's had the whole day coaching, and he goes off to his security job that he does at night, where he effectively just sits and watches monitors and it's like you like you sort of picture it. But they very explicitly show him putting his gun that he has for his job in his holster to wear it. And you're like, okay. Then there's a kickoff at the tennis court where these guys show up, and what the older sister, Tundi, the one of the main, like the leader of this yeah. crew, he's got his eye on her, and he's obviously like for very she's still upfront like, like about fourteen it. or something. Well, she's she? at college, yeah. so she's a little older, but she yeah, still it's like, and he's just saying to Richard, "I'm going to get my hands on her and all this," and it's just like just constantly goading him to the point where there's a kickoff and he, he gets set upon by these four guys and just beaten to shit. Well, he slams a racket into the guy's head, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, it happens again, and it's clearly it's escalating to a point where you're a little bit worried. And so he does go and get his gun that you've seen him with, and because they're showing it in the film, I guess this did happen, or you don't, I don't know quite how much artistic license they put into it. And he's literally across the street going to go over with the gun and you know shoot the guy when he sees them come out of a, a diner or whatever it was, or a liquor store, I can't remember, and just to spare Richard but not the other guy there's a drive-by shooting and the guy is killed yeah so that problem is is taken away but he was pretty close to yeah losing, himself in some pretty hot water there. yeah yeah so there's they kind of do more about that and less of the actual racism stuff that they probably would have had but you know, well, he, he goes home not far from from that scene to find that the neighbor is called the police yeah and whether this was part of their you know situation on a regular basis or not you you don't know but this neighbor had, had called up and was concerned for the children that they're working too hard and that they were pushing them too hard and he gives this quite powerful yeah. speech to the cop who comes around and says oh you want to check out well you check out then you check out everything and he talks about you know you won't be coming around here speaking to my kids about shooting or drugs yeah. or or being out on the t- you know where you shouldn't be and all that working kind of hard thing. yes yeah all that be stuff, here for no. that and yeah i push them hard because you've got to do here otherwise yeah. you're on this uh, other and you totally get the yeah. the situation i mean the the cops i think have put well into their place in this situation and he he's kind of just frustrated with constantly having one arm tied behind his back because he's trying to plow forward with his plans of making the girls superstars and it's still happening they're, they're still playing they're still performing they change coaches though and they they have opportunity to go out to a coach who he seems to really get on with someone who really it's, it's john bernthal with a fucking great mustache yeah good and he he's got that californian coolness about him and he really obviously good at his job and he wants the girls and he says yes okay i'll take him and he gives his terms of conditions and what i really liked about this as well is that they then give him a terms yeah. of conditions and i often think why do we not do that you know why do you know banks yeah. are often given stuff or whoever and say oh these are terms of conditions you say oh yeah fine here's mine yeah you know here's <laughs> mine you've got to do this 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 and this anyway they do that which includes moving the whole family out there's a few other things in there that he doesn't tell him, and that's one of them. Is he wants to pull him from the girls' junior tournament, the no one more that tournaments. They, they've dominated so yeah. much, and it's the one that all the sponsors go to. The next 
kind of big champions. I think it was Caparati. Yeah, he sees um, it on the news. He's he's worried about the pressure and they're too young for it because Venus is only 14 when she does start playing. So she's obviously like 12, you know, yeah. whatever it is. But she's young. She's very, very young. And he's just sitting watching the news and it just comes up about Caprari. And I remember this, Caprari yeah. being arrested for, she had just weed on her, but other people in that crew had a lot more class A stuff. Like I think there was heroin and maybe crack right, involved okay. as well. And she was, you know, the tennis prodigy, the American sweetheart, because she was the white girl, you know, pretty girl who'd come through the ranks and was doing very well. And he's thinking, shit, she's 18 and like already fallen by the wayside. Yeah. We're not having this happen to my girl. So his reaction is quite extreme to pull them out of all the tournaments. And it, they're still coaching. They're still playing. They still compete within the training camp. So they're keeping their, their skills up, but they're not getting any of this exposure. And often probably some of the elite games they'd have missed out on in that competition. Um, yeah, well, you always talk about you know, in sport like match fitness and sharpness and all that. She's just not going to have that. No. No, but all the same, he sticks to his guns despite the coach, the new coach, not being very pleased about that. And then eventually word gets out anyway because she wants to go to one of these tournaments and she she insists really that she's, she's ready for it and she's going to go and the sponsorships deal start coming in. And the first one before she actually plays the game is Nike. And they say, look, we want to take all offers off the table Here's, here's our bid and it's three million dollars yeah but there's a little bit before that where she venus is basically begging to say like i i gotta you know i need to play you gotta use me i need to play learning you know i'm gonna learn anymore and his the whole thing has been about not just about tennis because you've got to go to school and you've got to get the grades if it doesn't work out at least you'll be able to fall back on it you know a grades and all the rest of it and the coach John Balthall's like this is crazy we've got these girls they're prodigies they've got to start going through the system that's just the way it works you can't fight it and it's not until he has this basically fucking huge dressing down from his wife to say I wouldn't fucking be here you know if it I wouldn't I'm not here for you she basically says it you know I'm not fucking here for me I'm here for these girls and if it wasn't for them I'd have fucking walked and you're holding them back and everything you're doing is a fucking is basically now the plan was this and you've now you've you've and there's like a lot going of self-promotion going yeah, on being leveled at him as well because he's he a stubborn TV. guy he doesn't want to back down when he's got his mind set on something that's how it's going to be even though he's now the plan sort of deviated from what they were originally looking at so he does he has this heart to heart with venus and it was quite an emotional scene of mrs start bluffing actually right where he's like what do you want you want to do it and i'm he's, he tells a story about how when he gave some money to someone when his he was a child and it was a white person and he touched his hand by mistake and he got a thrashing for touching a white man. And he says he looked up and his dad ran away. And he says, you know, I just want to make sure that you know that I will never fucking do that. I'll never run away. If you're in trouble, I'll always be there, you know. And you see that then, like literally on the side of the court, he's always there for her and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. And she says, you know, if she wants to play, she's ready to play. And he's like, okay, that's your decision. It's up to you. And from then on in, everything in the film, he's like, no, no, speak to Venus. That's that's her. It's just fucking 14 dealing yeah. with a three, like you said about that scene, the three million dollar contract from Nike. It's like, okay, Venus, you're 14. You decide if you want to take that. Imagine being 14, being offered three million. You're fucking taking a heartbeat, wouldn't you? Well, she doesn't. She refuses it and goes out and starts off playing an absolute stinker into the next round. Yes, uh, because this is before she's played a single match. Yeah. So obviously, and I guess rustic. he's been in her ear a little bit to say, they're going to offer you. Yeah. But you need to 
obviously when they offer when you've beaten a few people think what the offer might be then so she's she's wise she's yeah. she's prep for it she does turn it down the guy's fucking disgruntled about it as well he is. both the fellas are the coach and um, the nike guy especially as she starts doing what venus williams does hitting winners down left right and center they've had this big debate on the stance and things that is open often open gone stance. to criticize the coach and in saying that he's doing it wrong yeah. it's just so cheeky sometimes you think <laughs> what are you talking about you begged to get into this and now you're you're pissing off the guy by telling him how to do his job but he he obviously knew his stuff as well he was very firm on on how the strengths of his daughters would play out and he was right I mean he he has that heart to heart with Serena who's upset because she's not kicking on as quickly as her sister she's younger and he says Venus is going to win Wimbledon you know she's going to do that she's going to be world number one but you're going to be the greatest of all time that's, it's in I, the plan when, I, when he was saying that i was thinking that's although you might believe that it's a f- funny thing or just maybe a hard thing to say to someone like because you're sort of putting down the other daughter you say oh you'll 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 have your time and you'll be great as well i've probably worded it yeah he's just saying but, oh, you're fucking better than her but he's, um, he was a very matter of fact man like yeah. that wasn't he i mean he he saw his daughters as a a potential for his whole family to climb out of poverty if they can get on this. They weren't doing tennis just for the love of the game. There is a real monetary kind of side to it. And when the the various executives came in at one time in the country club and he makes another clan kind of joke in front of all these guys who don't get it, then he... He goes, he's no respect for, for any of them as far as, oh, you're the big boss at Nike, right? I best toe the line he's he knows what he's got and that they'll eventually come he knows that two fantastic young black girls playing the sport of tennis is a whole new market to these guys he's very au fait and knowledgeable about all the marketing Mm. opportunities for his daughters yeah venus has won her first round match she won two sets to one and she beat a a lady called sean stafford is she a brit i don't think so but her next round match is against the world number one, Arantxa Sanchez Vicario. And I remember her from the time. She was fucking horrible. Yeah. She's a good player though. Yeah. She used to whack it really high. And she did actually do that in the in the game as they showed it. She used to hit it high in the air to take all the pace off it and all that sort of shit. Anyway, she was the world number one and they're saying, right, there's a new contract on the line before this game, but you fucking take this one because she's number one in the world and you won't get the offer yeah. when she tanks you like six love, six and love. I think it went like six million or something. I think something, it was five or six, it? yeah. And she's like, yeah, but what if I beat her? You know, what if we win that match? Then what's the offer going to be? And you're like, well, it's a ballsy play. <laughs> it's a bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> yeah, it is a bold strategy. <laughs> but they do turn it down. And it looks like it's going to pay off because she is hitting everything. You can't stop it. I, I mean, it's a it's a sports movie. I was always kind of enjoy these movies mm. and when they're true like this. And I really enjoyed some of the tennis scenes, actually. The girls were, were fantastic playing on Yeah, I on mean, court. Venus, Sonia Sydney, she's actually left-handed. So she had to learn to play it, you know, cack-handed, if you like. And it was fucking great. Really, really wow. impressive. Okay. Um, so that was like, wow. Yeah, it starts off like an absolute rocket in this match against Sanchez Vicario, the world number one, the number one seed for this tournament. And she's fucking winning it. She, I think she's a set and a breakup. Yeah. And there's tantrums on the other side of the net, like rackets getting thrown on the floor and like shouting and screaming. And so she pulls like an old wily competitor trick of like, I need to go to the bathroom. And she's gone for like a good 10 minutes. Well, there's no time limit. So 
basically it's freezing the competitor out just as they're on a hot streak. Yeah. You're going to break their rhythm. Yeah. You're going to take so much longer, probably warming up in there, keeping warm yourself and getting yes, ready just jogging for it. around in the, um, in the loose. And, uh, Venus is not experienced enough to be able to, you know, to deal stay with in that zone. It's just yeah. 14, you know, and, sadly, and there's a huge crowd. You yeah. Know, the that, pressure. You can hear the crowd, are, are disgruntled by it all, but there's nothing anyone can do. And she comes back out and the match turns, it levels up at one set. And then very quickly, I think it was five love, in the blink run, yeah, I'm fucking raging. <laughs> but yeah. the, I, I was thinking while I was watching it because the soundtrack kind of had like a glimmer of hope to it, and I didn't know the result of the match, what was going to happen in, in, yeah, in the in detail real. of like uh, the context of one match. And I thought, oh, maybe she, there's going to be like a bit of a fight back, and no, no, she just no, she, she just loses, and it's like a you know, there's there's glory in her in her oh, definitely defeat glory because she and she honor. fucking gave her a hell of a game, and she's fourteen. You yeah, she's just given the world number one a hell of a game. The world number one had to resort to dirty tricks to put this 14-year-old off, and she isn't yeah. going to fall for that too many and it's times. And it's a definite changing of the guard moment because everyone's now thinking, okay, there's some, yeah. some young blood out there is really going to come through the ranks now. But she's devastated. She's in the, the locker room like crying and upset because she, she knows she, she feels like she missed her chance. Um, as you do at 14 but yeah you know Richard comes down and the family are there for her and said no come on don't worry you did fucking great I'm so proud of you you know and all that you know the stuff that you say um, and they leave the court and there's a huge fucking crowd of kids waiting cheering her name and wanting her autograph and she's like fuck you know we did it we did it tears are starting now yeah, yeah. the pride of, of what this so that, yeah, she's really she's, she's at her very early stage in her career but she's already now a big name she's made it the film that's kind of it really and then the credits give you you get that just text on screen to explain what, what happened next and so she she signed after turning down three and then five million she signed a 12 million deal oh. with the equivalent now would be 22 million deal at 15 so 22 million dollars at 15 not bad so that's, she did well to hold out for wearing the wreck the the shoes and, that's just and for reebok yeah. yeah so she did have all the other deals yeah, and all the prize money yeah. so you know the plan worked so venus went on to win wimbledon five times became the first african-american woman to be ranked number one in the world during the open era serena then came on to the scene two years later and she went on to be a 23 time grand slam champion Crazy. so he was right you know you will be even better than venus and he was right and basically she's considered to be the greatest but people always argue with the toss about you know these things but you know the, the, oh, well, hard, think, hard pressed you know, to, to, to say she's, she's not in the great. conversation both of them are in their peak you know they were wonderful players and for them both to have come through the the same family, I loved it when she turned up at the first tournament. Oh no, it's for the first round game. She's wearing a Oakland Raiders hat, <laughs> just like rocking up in this white middle class thing with a fucking bad boys hat. And fucking great, really good. Right, let's talk about Will Smith because in the build up to all this film, I don't want to talk about the bullshit Oscar stuff because that's boring, as in the the slap. But all the run up to the Oscars, all I was aware of, he was basically like a fucking shoe in for the Oscar. Right, yeah. Um, and for me, performance in this, like... What was he up against? I can't even remember. It was so, it seemed so one-sided. Right. I just thought, it, like, it was okay. It was pretty good. It, it was, was just good a guy putting on a bit of a voice. Yeah, it I, wasn't. I was like, well, it's, there's nothing I, stand out here. I mean, I don't, right. Really, I did really enjoy this film. And actually, I've always been a little bit, not on the fence with the Williamses, but I've never been, like, huge fans. They've respected the, the talent and the success. Great. Just... You know, tennis is not one of my favourite sports and I've always just been like, yeah, but really liked them after watching this. You know, really thought, oh, fantastic, that's great. 
But he was just, just felt it was just like, meh. Yeah. It was like Coach Carter. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just like yeah, Samuel L. Jackson in that. It it wasn't particularly memorable, his yeah. his performance. The story was was told well, and it, it yeah. kept me entertained all the way through as well. You know, I I love these you know, underdog stories, yeah. for, for want of better words. But it's also... A little deeper than that is there's there's almost you know within the engineering of his plan to get his children to be really good at tennis and pushing them to be good at that and how much you know if he's decided they're going to be tennis players before they're born how much of that love for tennis came through him but we do have that conversation at, at the net and that different times yeah. and things but um, it's, you kind of like is it brainwashing you know do they love it they've just been fucking brainwashed because it's really calculating i think to, it's hugely to before to have to have a fetus there and say right i'm gonna make that well child number born, one. a fucking tennis pro yeah and we're gonna do this step and this step and this step but the flip side of it is that he's really protective of them i really thought that he only ever had their best interests at heart yeah, and he did make sure they got an education and that everything was fucking well-rounded and yes the focus was on tennis but also he wouldn't let them go and compete until he was sure their education was at a certain yeah. level stuff like that. so I did I, I was on his side and yeah well I mean given his background and his mm. his obviously growing up difficult is, yeah. is alluded to more than once and spoken about the job that he's done then to bring up these girls in the condition and to give them opportunity to rise above. It's just such a huge thing. You know, he's not, I mean, he's, got, he's got doctors and lawyers. He talked mm. about at one time in this house, you yeah. know, we've got future accountants or whatever it is. Yeah. And we've got two tennis champions here as well. Yeah. And for him to have pushed that and to done that, because the alternative would have been that, you know, there would have been maybe kept in around opportunities they're going to be a lot less than yeah, if limited, you're a, yeah, for sure. uh, a, a tennis pro brilliant as far as that story bringing them up i do struggle a little bit with you know that design that he had for yeah. the for the girls but they you know you didn't see a lot from their point of view but you know they're world they seemed happy they yeah they, they seemed seem happy. happy budget for this was 50 mil and i believe okay that 40 mil of that was Will Smith's salary. Wow, well, you know. So what do you reckon at the box office for an Oscar-winning turn? Well, I don't think this made much of a racket. I think this was a bit of a loser. I don't It was remember. a loser, Dan, you're right. It turned up 39, just, a, just a, a hair over 39 million. So I think the Oscar buzz would have been cancelled out possibly by a lot of ill feeling towards uh, Will yeah. after the, the hoopla around what happened at the Oscars. But I, I did right. read that he divided up his $40 million earnings for this amongst the, the other actors in the film as a bonus for them. So that's pretty incredible, if that's well, true. The whole lot of the $40 million, that's quite incredible. Backhanded compliment. But I would say overall I did really enjoy this and I would, I would recommend it. Yeah, uh, it was a good... It was a, a nice maybe, maybe a little bit too long, though, because it's biography. like two hours... 25 something like that yeah, and done it in I, I I enjoyed it it, it worked uh, you know you can always pick it little bits like to have seen a little more around I want to uh, know what happened to the other kids and that you know that that yeah. was interesting that part around the yeah. kids and, and their playing and things but yeah it wasn't an Oscar turn for me I thought it was well acted. I was um, yeah, same. surprised that it was a shoe in certainly. I'll yeah. be interested to see what else was up against. But yeah, for me, it's it's a smash. 
Okay, so we got some stop motion comedy lols here for the children's choice. I happened across Bucky Thunderstruck. Buddy. Yeah. Bucky or Buddy? Buddy. Buddy. Buddy Thunderstruck. And this particular episode was called the Maybe Pole, and it is a choice-based story. So you use the, re- use the remote. Yeah. yeah. And I'd flirted with Bear Grylls ones of these. We, also- we did Bear Grylls on the show, and we did Spirit interactive one as well oh right i missed that one there's one of the black mirror episodes called yes or something like that yes. is yeah. an interactive one as well which was was very good so i like the idea of this and netflix are really trying to convince us that this is the way to go yeah click left or right it's really not but this yeah it's uh, that's the stop motion so we talk about the look of it first of all i think it's they're kind of Fabricy puppet thing. Yeah, fantastic, Mr. Fox. But really well, yes, really well animated. Fucking looks great. Yeah. So it looks fucking bang on. And it it started out with with Buddy, who's a dog, and his best friend Darnell, who's a ferret or a stoat or something. And he's whereas Buddy is off on adventures and he's a truck you know, truck racing driver. Yeah. The intro is really full on. It's high octane, obviously, because it's racing. I'm calling bullshit on the handling on that truck. I just don't think it, it would be able to do those tricks. Well, you're not And the, the soundtrack is very ACDC-like. It's right in your face. It's great. You know this is going to be good right from the get-go. Well, it is really good right from the get-go. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, actually. In the first five minutes, you get this story of them wanting something to do. Oh, there's moth. a flying object. Yeah. The moth is back. And they... They talk about the the maybe pile, which is a pile of ideas. That, Stupid ideas. That they've thrown away in a bag for that kind of rainy day yeah. when they haven't got any better ideas. And so they start fishing through it and going through their... They'll just talk you through each one. So Darnell picks them out. They, were, they, they did it in choices of two. Yes. Remember, they said, look, well, I'll put out two at a time and we'll do one of them. Yeah. We'll choose one. So we'll... we'll go through the pile like that there's got to be a good idea so i guess the, the one that came out first we both would have got the same one or maybe not i, I don't know how it works exactly but mine was a choice between oh it's gonna be difficult now because i can only remember the one i picked it was coffee cubed or something else yeah and i chose the coffee cube so I, they I did oh so they nail three espressos and then they just go fucking wild in the diner the first one they're like nothing's happened i feel the same and then they just like, fucking they tear super high. a load of food yeah. and they've just got a massive caffeine high. They nick yeah. some food off one of the guys. It reminded me of Seabass from Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, right. Big, big, big kind of bike kicks guy. off. And yeah, and then he just basically cuts back to the, the cab of their truck and they're going like, well, oh, that was a terrible idea. Let's pick again. And that just, it just keeps happening like that. It keeps happening. Yeah. So depending on the choice that you make, you'll have a different option. And I I read up a little bit. There's four different endings and you can choose your oh, okay. your, your, your path. So, so what happened in your ending then? Everything went badly. It was a bad idea, but he did win the race. He fluked it from sort of nowhere when... I was going over a ramp as oh, the okay, last... Oh, okay, so we, did, we got a different ending. Okay. Right, yeah. So I was going up over a ramp in a car, which... It clearly wasn't going to make, but they, they just went for it anyway, and they just kind of lucked out and finished and won the race. So in mine, they had crashed the truck in the last choice thing that you, you got, the last idea from the Maybe Pile. It was on its roof, and they're like, well, that was a bad idea. 
and Donna says, don't worry, I've got drone side assistance. So this massive mechanical arm comes down from out of the sky and grabs the truck and takes them to the race. But while the arm's swinging around over the racetrack, it just totals all the other trucks. Right. And it just throws them across the finish line. And I think the announcer says, well, they've won, but probably illegally. So, <laughs> and then the thing just ends and says, right, do you want to go back to start, make different choices so that you can see all the other permutations? And do it again. Yeah, so this was this was it. I think this was the only episode with this interactive choice. It is. There's 12 episodes of normal stuff. And then episode 13 is this one, which is the only interactive one. Right. So there may be some insider jokes and a little bit of character development that we missed out on jumping in towards the end. But what drew me in was the the stop motion and mm. the also the characters. They they try to crack a few jokes and things. I um, don't know if it's not PC or not, but they're like rednecks basically. Yeah. They reminded me as well of Logan Lucky, you know, the movie we watched not so long ago. Right, that yeah. sort of it's that sort of setting, you know, the race yeah. track, NASCAR sort of environment, that sort of the the way they speak is like that, the language used and all. Well, this was uh, as we might mention, a Netflix original. Um It's quite old. It came this came out in twenty seventeen. And yeah, so I've not seen it again. I think it might have just I had watched there. the first one. I remember watching it and being impressed with it because it does look really slick. I mean, it's a great yeah. looking thing. And it is it is like entertaining. It's wacky and in your face. It's loud and like, you know, aggressive and but in a good way. Yeah. Well, you know, what, about 12, 12 minutes, minutes. 12 minutes it was, so yeah. Not hugely long. It may have been a little bit longer or shorter, depending on the choices for this particular episode. But it is something different if you're, if you want to, maybe look back on how cartoons and animation used to look like but done in a modern way where yeah with all the latest gizmos, all the latest gizmos. Does, good. this shows you where where you go and i think if children are watching it sometimes they can be inspired by some of these puppet you know sock puppets yeah. and and bits of hessian sack and maybe make their own characters and yeah. things i really like that i mean you could argue the same within animation and drawing of course as well yeah. but for that reason then it got a thumbs up to me. I thought the the choices and the interaction was a little. I could live without that. I just yeah. don't think that it's just a it's a con. It's an illusion of thinking you're in control. But you, it's just like one thing or the other. It really has no bearing. There's nothing at stake. Just no. just give me a proper you're episode. Watch, I'd much yeah, you're going to watch the, the episode, you know? But I didn't I didn't hate it for that reason. I actually really like it. I think it's a really good show. Definitely worth a look. I th- my daughter, I'm sure, is a fan. So yeah, this is a winner. Excellent. Buddy Thunderstruck. And also, trivia fans out there, Darnell is voiced by Ted Raimi, who is Sam Raimi's brother. Okay, well, it's been entertaining. We just made the it. Two of us. We made it yeah. to the end. Yeah, just the two of us. We don't have nominations for next week. We're not entirely sure who's going to be who's around. Who's going to be week. around? Yeah. I mean, we will be around in, in some guys i think it'd be us to probably pete and maybe one other but we'll just see we will have nominations for then and also top five kings and queens to complete yeah fantastic look forward to hearing from our all y'all all y'all but until then all that remains is to say sidey signing out and dan's gone <laughs>